Amen. God bless you, saints. Let's turn the screen number 1321, if we could, please. Paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. I want to greet you this morning. I want to thank you for your prayers. We're doing well and appreciate all those who've remembered us over the past couple weeks. Amen. But we've come here to praise the name of the Lord Jesus this morning. So let's just rejoice together as we sing, Paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. Kia G, if we could. When justice called for a payment for sin, no worthy could be found among men. But the precious Son of God, with the cross and thorny crown, He paid my debt with the blood of Blood of the 
redeemed this morning. It was a great thing that he did for me. Yes, it was. It was a great thing that he set me free. My Jesus died on Calvary so that the whole eye would see. It was a great thing that he did. Sing it again. It was a great thing. Oh, yes, it was a great thing that he did for me. 
what a God we serve this morning. Hallelujah. I'm looking out at miracles all over this audience this morning. I know what some of you were before you got saved. Hallelujah. What a God. You can take a person and clean them up, make them whole, turn them into a vessel of honor. Hallelujah. We're going to go to prayer at this time in this atmosphere. It's a victory and rejoicing. If the brothers would like to come and prepare for the morning offering, please. We do have a request from uh, the Vineyard family, just asking that we would please remember Brother Mike Vineyard and his family in prayer. His sister, Lena Colby in Alaska, just went to be with the Lord yesterday, and they're praying for prayer for her husband and their family, Brother Mike and all those related, just that God would be with them during this time. Amen. Our God is a comforter, those who need comfort. Amen. Have you experienced that? I certainly can. I can just remember time just feeling like everything was just going wrong and sideways and you just in prayer to God just so so gripped in your soul and just burdened and it's just like this cloak of peace will just fall down and God just says I know sometimes he doesn't give you the answer and sometimes he doesn't change things right away but it just reminds you that he knows and that he's in that that situation with you amen so may brother Richard could I oh brother Richard not here yet sorry I'm <laughs> I'll just go ahead and lead us before the throne this morning. If you would just bow your heads with me. What a God we serve. Gracious Lord, our hearts are so filled with joy to be called sons and daughters of a living God. Lord, and to see what you have done in our midst. Lord, our hearts are filled with thanksgiving, Lord. Truly, Father, you are the great physician. Truly, are you are the redeemer, O oh God. You're the changer of hearts and lives, Lord. There's nothing too hard for our God. So, Lord, we come with praises on our lips and thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord, to worship you this morning. Lord, to invite you in our midst to come and have your way, Father. We lay everything down at your feet this morning and just ask that you would come, Lord, that you would anoint this service, every person gathered here this morning. Father, would you just move freely, we pray. Would you forgive us where we've done wrong, O oh God? May everything just be placed under the blood this morning, Lord. We don't want anything to hinder the moving of your spirit, O oh God. We want our brother Tim to come speak the word with freedom, Lord, and that you would just change our lives. We want a conference with God this morning. So would you come, Lord? Lord, we lift that name of Jesus. There's no other name like the name of Jesus this morning, Father. So we place it on our lips. We ask that you would just come and be pleased with our worship, Lord. We just remember the Vineyard family and ask that you would be just a source of comfort and healing, Father. We know you can use these situations to touch hearts and to change lives, oh God. So would you be with them, I pray. Give our sister Navani wisdom, Lord. May you just be with her, Lord. Comfort each one of them, Father, as we just uphold them before you. Strengthen our brother Tom, our brother Murphy, brother Michael as they're away, oh God. May you use them. Just refill them, I pray, Lord, and strengthen them on their journey home. And Lord, we just ask that you remember us here this morning. So many, oh God, in need of a touch, but we know that you see each life, you see each body, every need, Lord. And we know, Father, that you are here, oh God. So would you touch us this morning, we pray, as we just commit ourselves into your care now and ask thy blessing on this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats as we take up the morning offering. Amen. I just want to sing that song. So glad I'm yours, Lord. So glad I'm yours. While we take up the offering. Thank you. I'm so glad I'm yours, Lord, so glad I'm yours, so glad your mercy has called me, so
together, no one like our God. E-flat starts out. We do have an announcement we want to remember. Uh, Brother Victor just put in. We want to remind everyone of Young People's this coming Friday, November the 17th. That will be at 7 p.m. in the BCA Devotions Room downstairs over at the school. You can contact Brother Victor if you have any questions. So again, that's this Friday. Young People's at the school at 7 p.m. And we're just going to invite Brother Tim to come as he feels he's ready, and we'll just continue to worship and praise the Lord. But I'd like to sing this with you. There's no one like our God. He stretches the heavens like curtains before him. He stretches the heavens like curtains before him. He forms every star and
Jesus, of all the glory and the honor and the power and praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, V-flat, Brother Ben. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within His presence, so I speak Jesus. I just want to speak. Every dark addiction, for there is hope, declaring there is hope and there is freedom. So I speak, Jesus, because your name is power.
Father, that's our desire this morning. That you will come in the name of Jesus. Shine your light in the shadows. Send forth your light into the darkness. For in you is life, and that life is the light of all men. Lord, we're desiring that you'll minister this morning in a very special way. Lord, as only you can. Lord, I'm sure that there are needy people that are here or on the internet, or perhaps will watch the service in the days ahead. Father, you need to take control of the speaker, Lord. We cannot do anything of our own selves. Only you can do something supernatural, Lord. May you just take the speaker into your hands, anoint this vessel, anoint the hearer, Father. Anoint, Lord, your purpose for this moment in time. We were born for this moment in time. And Lord, we pray that you'll quicken us to everything that you want us to see in this hour. We give ourselves to you. We ask your blessing upon the reading of the word and the speaking of it. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We thank God for his grace to us, his healing touch and his mercies. I was uh, quite sick the last couple of days and I thought, well, you know, we have a healer and uh, we just thank God for his mercies upon our lives. I'm going to turn this morning to the book of Luke, if you have your Bibles. I'm very glad to be in the house of the Lord today. We don't know when the last service is. We don't know with world events, government control, different things that are unfolding all around us. As Brother Tom preached last Sunday, it is serious times. It's not a time to be, you know, fitting in with the world. It's a time to examine ourselves and make sure that we are not in the grasp of the world but rather the Word of God has its preeminence in our lives. And so we pray that the Lord will um, just minister to us this morning and bring the things that He wants to show us in this particular time on this day, November the 12th, 2023. How many days, how many hours before the body change? We don't know, but may it be just a few. May it be just a few. Luke chapter 18. And we begin reading at verse 31. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted upon. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. That seems pretty clear. Everybody caught what he was saying there? That's very, very clear. But look at, look at the next verse. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, 
neither knew they the things which were spoken. Amazing. The Lord has blessing to the word. You may have your seats. We had a Remembrance Day assembly on Friday at the school, and uh, there was invited to speak a Jewish man, which I think is very appropriate for these times. And this man was uh, a descendant of a Holocaust survivor. His father had survived the Holocaust as a little boy. And if you know anything about the Holocaust, the, ch- the children in particular uh, had no, the Nazis had no use for them, and so they, were, they would just murder them. And, uh, and so for him, his, this man's father, to survive at a very young age, four or five years old, and to, be, to escape Germany and uh, end up in, in Israel, and this man that spoke, he himself was born in Jerusalem, uh, happens to be the place I was born, the New Jerusalem. <laughs> and, uh, and as I listened to his story, uh, it, it reminded me that, you know, often we look at the nation of Israel and the prophecies on a very large scale. And we look at it as, as pertaining to end time events. We look at the Battle of Armageddon. We look at all nations turning against Israel. We look at six million Jews that were killed during the Holocaust. We, we know that it was a, uh, the tender hand of Jehovah to drive his people back to the homeland. And, and even in Isaiah 49, God said, uh, it says, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. And then he says, can a woman forget her sucking child that she would not, should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Now, uh, it's very interesting the way that the Holy Spirit has Isaiah write this because he doesn't just say, can a woman forget her child? He goes on to say, even if she may forget her child, I can never forget you. You know, we, we can look at ourselves and say, uh, or look at the age that we're living in and say, you know, the love of many shall wax cold. Families are broken up. Many um, children that are forsaken and uh, end up in a, in a, in a rough life. But God says, no matter what happens, I will never forget you. And he's speaking to Israel in the natural, but any time we see Zion, we also recognize that that represents the bride of Jesus Christ. And so he can never forget you. Amen. You're engraved on the palms of his hands. And we thank God for his mercies to us. And I was, as I was listening to this man's story and and as I said, we often look at the big picture of Israel, but it reminded me that the big picture of Israel is made up of millions of individual stories. Just one individual that went through what he went through. And so also the bride of Jesus Christ. 
that's being gathered from the four corners of the earth in this, end, in, in this end time out of every kindred tongue and nation, we are made up of millions of individual stories, individual relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a place, I have a place, and our God is so great that he deals with us in our individual circumstances. And he brings us through our individual trials to mold in us the character of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that he knows you personally? Aren't you glad that it's not based on the membership in a church? It's not based in, in some kind of affiliation with a, with a group of people or a headquarters or a denomination or anything like that. It's based on a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man had a daughter. The man that was speaking on Friday, he had a daughter. And she, obviously a very uh, intelligent woman, she had got a full scholarship over here to UBC. And the man lives in Vancouver and with his family. He's got three daughters. And his oldest daughter had a full scholarship to UBC. I don't know what, the, the, what courses that she was taking or was going to take. But she said, I'm going to go to Israel. And uh, uh, she said to her, her parents, she says, I want to go and visit Israel for a year. She says, and then I'll come back and take up my scholarship. So at the end of the year, she phoned her parents and said, I'm not coming home. They said, what do you mean? She says, I've joined the army of Israel. And I'm going to serve in the army over here in Israel. And as, as, as time would go on, she would be recognized in a, as a, uh, as an, uh, what would you call it, a very elite soldier. And she would take officer training and graduate in the top of her class in officer training. And they would go and they would visit her there. And, and now she's involved in what's going on in Israel right now in the army. Now, I, want, I said all that to say this. When she had a scholarship to UBC, uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you are going to university or college right now? Raise your hand. If you're in university or college, why don't you raise your hand? All right. There's a number of you. Now, she had a scholarship to UBC, full-ride scholarship. But going over to Israel, she heard something that no scholarship could teach her. She heard a call. She was a daughter of Zion. And she had to answer the call. And it gripped her over there in her land. And that's where God wants every Jew to be, in the land. Because God blesses Israel in the land. And so she heard a call, and it changed her entire life. Until now, she's uh, an officer. I don't know of what rank, uh, but quite a senior rank there in the army in Israel and has quite a responsibility. But what did that? God did that. Because Israel, the land of Israel, is the calling of every Jew in the world. Amen? But we are not Jews naturally. Amen. We are the children of Abraham spiritually. And we have heard our call. Can you say amen to that? And that call doesn't just come. This woman, I, don't, I was thinking a lot about her and the decision that she made. 
And I thought, I wonder if she isn't part of the 144,000. That God had to get a hold of her and take her back to the homeland because very soon there's coming a gathering of 144,000 in the nation of Israel that are going to survive World War III, if we could say it that, that way, that are going to be taken, taken out of Israel, just like a bride is being taken out of the Gentiles. There's something supernatural, and I guess I would refer to Brother Jean's service and say there's something simple in it, but it's supernatural. It's a, it might be just a set of circumstances. And I would say, especially to the young people that were in the assembly uh, on Friday, I want you to really catch what was happening there. God was doing something in this young woman's life. And we're not Jews, and we can't relate to the, the land of Israel and, and the physical calling and all of those kind of things. But it was just as real to her as it is to every son and daughter of God in this hour. Amen. God has sent us a message to call us out. You're very quiet this morning. I was watching, and maybe it's because I'm starting slow, but I was, I happened to catch a clip of some, some uh, men, very intelligent men discussing something discussing uh, different aspects of God, actually. And these men are great minds. One of them was a Jew. I think uh, actually two of them might have been Jews, and one of them was a very highly high-level intellectual, one of the greatest minds of our time, and there's a couple other people there. And they, they put out a question, the, the man that was kind of moderating the discussion and it was just a short clip that I saw of it. And the question he put out was, and this is, he asked the people that were sitting around the table, he says, does God love some people more than others? Does God love some people more than others? And as soon as he asked the question, I thought, my, you, you guys are great minds, but you really don't understand God. You really don't, just to even ask the question that way, you don't understand God. Because God is love. It's just that simple. God is love. And we know that the Bible says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. And, and so we recognize that God being love, that, that not everybody is a recipient of that love. But now... I'm saying this all for a reason, because God could never forget Israel. Why? Because they're in his mind. They're in his mind before the foundation of the world. The elect of Israel are written on the Lamb's book of life, just like you are. And, and God could not forget them. And God cannot forget you, because you're also written in the Lamb's book of life. And this Lamb's book of life is all that was in his mind before the foundation of the world. And if it's in the mind of God where we were, then we were in the very fabric of his love. And I'm going to use that word fabric for a reason, because you have to realize that you're a part of the love of God. 
It's not just that God loved you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Brother Branham explains it that, you know, the only ones that can be saved or can be a recipient of what Jesus did, his atoning work of Calvary, are the elect of God, the ones that he had in his mind before the foundation of the world. Jesus says, all that the Father has given me will come to me. And no one can come to me unless the Father draws him first. And so there's a reality of the election and the predestination of God that has to be accounted for in the redemptive work that he's doing down through the ages. And so we now, as being a part of the mind of God, now I want to go back there today, uh, and I want to just take us right back to the Lamb's Book of Life, and largely what I'm going to speak about is the Lamb's Book of Life and your part in it, because I'm still speaking of, from the last service, the revealing of the sons of God. Because that Lamb's book of life was there in the beginning in the thoughts of God. And the thoughts of God is what becomes manifested as God begins to condescend and, and materialize himself in reality in the world which was in his thoughts. And God begins, begins this great desire to express himself. This great Jehovah God, I'm going to just read it to you the way that Brother Branham said it, just to, because I know you've got confidence in Brother Branham, even if you can't always follow Brother Tim. And Brother Branham said in the message identification, he says, in the beginning was God. He wasn't even God then. No, God's an object of worship. The only thing he was, was the eternal. And in him was attributes, and those attributes were thoughts. And those thoughts was expressed to words, and the word was made manifested. Then he says, what is it? It's all God becoming tangible. And you are a part of God. And Jesus came to redeem those that was put on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. It was in God's thoughts. And that's what he come to redeem. And them, as soon as it strikes them, he says them, but you can put your name there. And them, as soon as it strikes them, they see it because the life is in there. But if the life isn't in there, then what can they do? They don't see it. They'll never see it. He says, and the whole thing is, Jesus said, all that at that day you'll know that I'm in the Father, the Father in me, I in you, and you in me. And then he closes with this statement, at least on this portion. He says, The whole thing is God becoming material. Like a husband and a wife becoming one together, God and his church becoming one. Hallelujah. Not two, one. Not we're here and he's there. No, he's here in us. We are the temple of the living God. We are his tabernacle. 
We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And we're living in the last days that Christ has come down to materialize himself in the fullness of his redemptive purpose. And now he's revealing that unto the sons of God that we might take our place or that we might recognize who we are. Because as we've been ministering in, it's the, it's the anointing of the hour that causes you to see what has already happened. Amen. Everything's already laying in the atonement. Every promise is already there. Every power to fulfill the word is already in the believer by the Holy Ghost. And it's just the revelation that makes it more real and more real and more real. Until finally one day our eyes become fully open and we come into the full deliverance of the sons of God. And there's coming a full deliverance where the life that is in us that is constrained by these sinful bodies, the sin will be taken out of these bodies. Hallelujah. The bodies will be changed. In the moment in a twinkling eye and the life that lays within the believer will have full expression then. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I ended off last week talking about, not last week, two weeks ago, talking about this before we went into the missions report. I didn't have time to read those quotes. But in, would you just bear with me if I read you a couple things? All right. He says in God's Provided Place of Worship, 1965, he says, The church will come through justification, through Luther, through sanctification, through Wesley, through the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the Pentecostals, and grow right on into the perfection of the Son of Man. All right, now stop there. He says the church will grow into the perfection of the Son of Man. Is that what he said? That's what he said. He says that's when... Husband and wife will be the self-same persons. God will be so manifested into his bride, his church, till they'll both be the same. They are one. He says, now you see where we're at. What is he doing? Listen, we, I'm convinced that there's, there's I'll just say two levels of believing the message right within the framework of the message. There's people that believe the message is of God. And they believe God sent a prophet, God sent a message, all of those things. And then there's others that have maybe moved a little bit further in the revelation and they actually believe the message. I don't want to just believe the messages of God. I want to believe the message. I want to really believe the things that a prophet of God was sent to say. I want them really to anchor down in my soul and, and wash me, wash away all the worldliness, all the carnality, all the ideas of natural life and cause me to see. Brother Branham says here, now you see where we're at. So we have come to the time that God will be manifested into his bride, his church. They'll both be the same. So what's happening now, uh, the church and Christ, like husband and wife, are being united together. 
And that, there's no relationship like a husband and wife. There's no love expressed like a husband and wife. Well, I got a few amens on that one. I'll say it again. There's no love expressed like a husband and wife. Come on, husbands. Come on, wives. Amen. There's, no, there's nothing like that kind of a relationship. There's other loves. Father, mother, son, daughter, all of those kind of things. But a husband and wife is special. You know, it's like, you know, your mother asked you, you know, would you, would you just, Ellie, would you wash the dishes for me? And it's like, Mom, I got things to do. Come on, you know. I got work to do. I got the studying to do. I got this to do and all that kind of things. I'm a man. I don't want to do the dishes. But now let his wife talk to him. Honey, would you please wash the dishes for me? Sure, dear. (laughs) That's a different level of love. It's not that he doesn't love his mother, but it's a different level. And so, so it is now the church has... The, the church has turned a corner in this day. Oh, we shouldn't even need to be preaching these things. But sometimes we, we, we kind of miss what's really happened in this hour to really recognize what God is doing. I'm not saying we're missing it. I'm just saying that we got to be careful that we don't miss it. Amen. I, I alluded to this last time I preached, and I just... I'm in my previous set of notes here, and this is the last quote I'll take from there. Brother Branham was asked about the revealing of the Son of Man. Now remember, he said here, he said, right on the, to the perfection in, of the Son of Man. That's the church, husband and wife, the revealing of the Son of Man. All right, so now in the same years, 1964, he's saying now, I'm sorry, just before that, That was 65. Excuse me while I just lay these things out here. In questions and answers in 1964, he says, Brother Branham, some say Brother Branham is the son of man. I thought the pillar of fire was the son of man. Am I mistaken? The reason I'm reading this is because I want to go back to the Logos, and I want to talk about the pillar of fire and the unfolding of it all, coming down to this hour, bringing us into the fullness of the deliverance of the sons of God in our day. And if we can see the the fullness of the deliverance of the sons of God and all that creation is groaning for, may it help us to recognize our our position in Jesus Christ. Amen? Brother Brown says, but I'm not the son of man, but a son of man. There's quite a difference. Jesus Christ was the son of man, the son of God, the son of man, the son of David. Now we say this with all reverence, love, and respect, as Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, and also in the last days, as it was before Lot's time, or in Lot's time in Sodom, so shall it be in the day when the Son of Man reveals himself again, revealing himself. Now in this last day, the Logos, that was upon Jesus, which he has become from that back to the pillar of fire again, and has descended down onto the earth. And then Brother Brown says, I was going to say something, but I watched the tape. They wouldn't believe that if you told them. It wouldn't make any difference. People wouldn't believe it, but I'll omit that. Now, don't you wish he didn't omit that? I wish he just put that in there. He says, but has come down 
for like an investigating judgment goes on. He says, oh, let me stop here for a second. What's an investigating judgment? It's angels or messengers that are sent to find out who believes and who doesn't believe. You see, God comes down and fulfills his word to find out who believes it and who doesn't. God does something special and maybe a little unusual. Brother Brown talks about that in every age, like it was in the days of of when Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary. How many people actually believed that the Messiah had come upon the earth? There was three wise men. There was Simeon. There was Anna. There was Mary. There was Joseph. There was John the Baptist's parents. And that was about it. That was the sum total of what was going on in that hour. Out of the millions that were there in Israel, just a few believed. See, God was fulfilling his word in simplicity and bringing it right in front of them. And, and not many people were catching him. That's an investigation judgment. God sends his word and finds out who's going to believe when I do something. Who's really up to speed with what I'm doing in this day. And we want to examine ourselves, say, Lord, am I up to speed, so to speak? Am I really quickened? Am I really revelated in what you're doing in this day? Or am I just in a hope so that I hope that I'm believing enough that I'm going to make the rapture? No, the rapturing faith is laying right within the message of the hour. It's laying right in there to take you. It's a supernatural work that God did through the mouthpiece of a prophet that he might speak through that prophet a word that would cause the eyes of his children to come open. That would cause his sons and his daughters to realize who they are and be quickened by it and and be revelated by it and and know that they're in the plan of God for their day. All right. So let me go on here. He says, now this great pillar of fire, that's absolutely identified even by scientific cameras that's here on the earth. And then he talks about it's hanging there in the, um, verified by George J. Lacey, the FBI, etc. He says, then watch the works of it. It amongst us proves the same Jesus that once lived in Palestine The same spirit that was upon him has come up through a body until it's come back to headship again. Here we are. He's talking about us now. Which he's coming soon to claim the body. He says the head's coming to the body. He says that will be the son of God, the son of man, the son of David, the I am, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the morning star. In other words, he's saying that will be the all in all. That will be the full completion of God's purpose. Here we are right now in this day, partaking of the full completion of God's redemptive purpose. So then he says, I am not he. I am his servant. And the pillar of fire is not he. It's in spirit form, which was upon the son of man and has come now to anoint Sons of men. Hallelujah. To bring back a ministry. Just like he said it would be. In order for the head and the rest of the body to connect together. Hallelujah. So then who's doing it? Are you doing it? No, he's doing it. 
He sent the ministry. He sent the word. He sent the pillar of fire. He sent all these things in this hour to bring us into position that he always saw for us in his thoughts. Hallelujah. You still with me? All right. Well, let's look at, let's take our Bibles and, and turn. This is just teaching. Not a lot of preaching this morning, maybe just some teaching. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Now that, if I say it this way, it sounds kind of redundant, but the Word behind the Word, Word, is Logos. All right? The Word behind the Word, Word, is Logos. Okay? And so when we talk about the Logos, this is what it's referring to. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. All right. So now we've come to a, a place where we have to realize that this Logos, as Brother Branham says in Who is this Melchizedek? He says, You don't remember it because you're just a part of his life. You're a part of God when you become a son or daughter of God, just as you were a part of your earthly father. He says, he says, um, and I'm just looking for the place here. Okay. He says, notice this is in the beginning. He says, John, the first chapter, there he is. He says, notice this is in the beginning, but before the eternal. Notice in the beginning was the word. When the time began, it was the word, but before it was the word, it was an attribute, a thought. Then it was expressed. In the beginning was the expression, the word. Now you're getting to where Melchizedek is. All right? Notice he first was spirit, God, supernatural, the great eternal. Second, he began to form himself towards flesh in a theophany. It's called the word. He goes on talking about it. And in the, the same message, and he says now, he says there's other dimensions and, and things, and he says television was here before Elijah said on Mount Carmel, television was here when Jesus walked the shores of Galilee, but now you're discovering it. Now remember, when I talked about the servant of Elisha, and I said nothing changed, it's just his eyes became open. All right. Now remember that as we read this, as Brother Bradham says, now television was here when Elijah was here, television was here when Jesus was here. All right. He says, but you're just now discovering it. 
You see, they wouldn't have believed it back there. You'd have been crazy to have said something like that, but now it's become a reality. And so is it that Christ is here, the angels of God are here, and someday in the great millennium to come, it'll be more real than television or anything else because they are here. What did he say is here? He says the angels of God is here. He says that Christ is here. It's right here. He's very present. We're limited in our eyesight to see these things. But a prophet of God has a special God-given eyesight to recognize these things. And he's telling us one day we're going to really wake up to see what's really here. Oh, if God could open our eyes and cause us to see. And so many things are hidden from us in life. We go through many different aspects of life and, and, uh, uh, and the realities of what happened. Maybe we, we end up 20 years down the road and we all of a sudden look back and say, oh, that's why that happened in my life back there. But we were blind to it back there. We didn't realize it was the tender hand of Jehovah that was guiding us and leading us all along. It's like the Jews over in Israel and they, they will still be very burdened with the Holocaust and the, the memories of the Holocaust and, and, and the traumatic things that happened and they're burdened because of it. But yet one day when the Messiah comes, they'll recognize they had to be in the homeland. When the two messengers come to introduce the Messiah to them and they receive their message, they'll all of a sudden awaken, oh, that's why that happened. That's why I had to go through those things. You know, sometimes we can go through things in life. And sometimes we can go through things as a church. And they have a purpose. And we have to let go of the, of the hurt. I know what I'm talking about. You have to let go of the hurt and realize God had a purpose in it. God was doing something. And sometimes through pain, he has to change us. Sometimes through circumstances that are hard, he has to take us in a new direction and give us a new vision and cause us to see ourselves more than we could in a different set of circumstances. That's the way Jehovah works in us. You know, even in prayer, God changes you. Do you know that he changes you in prayer, even as you pray? Because when you pray, you know, you, Brother Brown says, when you pray, don't pray to change God's mind. Pray for God to change your mind and line up with his word. Amen. And so through prayer, through anguish, and through desperation, through travail, through birth pains, I'm going to say it. You went through a birth pain here in 2009. You don't even realize it. I wasn't here. But there's many people that hold on to the, tra- the trauma of it. And it was traumatic. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But yet you've got to realize God had a purpose in it. Amen? And you've got to move on. You've got to realize God had a hand in those things that this church went through. God forbid that, that there would be any, any kind of a traumatic situation like that again. But Lord, let us move on. 
Lord, let us catch what you're trying to do because he's got one purpose and that is that he would open your eyes to the reality of your position in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. I'm sorry I don't have a full voice this morning. I've been really, been really wrestling with it this week. But God has provided us with a great overcoming. Blessed be his name. We have something to rejoice in. Are you living in the past? Don't live in the past. Move forward. God has something for you. Yeah, Paul says, I lay aside those things that are in the past. And I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Now, you'll excuse me, I'm just trying to follow him this morning. My mind was in a fog up until about last night. Uh, I was really, well, I'm not here to complain about how sick I was. It was, uh, it was a good trial. So Brother Bram goes on, and who is this Melchizedek? He says, before the foundation of the world, his name puts on the Lamb's book of life. Then... From that, he become the word, the theophany that could appear, disappear. He become flesh, return back again. Resurrected that same body in a glorified condition. But you bypass the theophany. And you become flesh man to be tempted by sin. And then, if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have another one already waiting. We have not yet the bodies... But look, when this body receives the Spirit of God, the mortal inside you, mortal, the immortal life inside of you, it throws this body in subjection to God. All right. Then he goes on, he says, He that's born of God does not commit sin. Now this is where I want to get to. He's talking about you come from the eternal. You come from the thought of God. You come down, you're, you're a, an attribute of God. But it had to be manifested in the day that you're living in. And now he says, the word comes to you and you're quickened. And he says, he that's born of God does not commit sin. He says, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. They walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There you are. See? That throws your body subject. You don't have to say, oh, if I could just quit drinking. If I could just... Pay attention to this, young people. Brother Brown's telling us a secret here. Oh, if I could just quit drinking. If I could just... He says, he stops and he says, just get into Christ. It's all gone, see? Because your body is subject to the Spirit. It's no more subject to the things of the world. They're dead. Hallelujah. God sends his word to quicken the elect of the hour. And he says, he says there's only one thing you have to do about it. Just get into Christ. Oh, Brother Tim, I, I feel like I'm really battling the world. Just get into Christ. 
Oh, I don't know how I can overcome this habit that I have. Listen, the new birth takes a supernatural work in your life. And as that supernatural takes place and delivers you from the habits of the flesh, delivers, delivers you from the deformities of the natural man, the corruptibleness that you inherited from your parents and that you, that you were brought up in and you gained influence from the, the, the kind of atmosphere that you lived in and the friends that you had and, and the kind of upbringing that you had and all those kind of things. But when you get into Christ, when you get into Christ, it all falls by the side. Hallelujah. It has no effect on you anymore. Just get into Christ. Oh, if I just knew the secret, the secret is get into Christ. Glory to God. Don't, don't belabor the point. Oh, if somebody could pray for me, if somebody, uh, and we'll pray for you. That's not a problem. We'll pray for you a thousand times in a day. That's not the issue. But really the issue is get into Christ. It's laying there in the word. And the word was sent to give you rapturing faith or perfect faith. And when you get into Christ, everything falls by the wayside. Listen, there's, there's really only one reason you don't see God manifested in your life as much as you want to. You don't spend enough time alone with him. That's really the only answer. Do you pray? Do you seriously pray? Do you know what it is to get alone in your prayer closet? I know some of you do. No no doubt many of you do. But for those of you that are weak and those of you that feel like you need more of God, get alone with God. Get alone with his word. Feed on his word. Let him fill you and change you with his revealed word because the purpose that he's brought in this hour is to change us. Hallelujah. It's to bring us into a perspective of things that always laid in the word of God. Now, I'll just say you've been changed by the new birth. And, but still, you are being changed. You've been changed by the new. The new birth is a change. It's a change of nature down on the inside of the inside. In the soul, when you're born, that nature is unbelief. But when you're born again, that nature becomes faith. The the very nature of God. And that's why he that is born of God does not commit sin. Because his nature is faith. You can't disbelieve with faith. Your very nature is faith. And so, but then once you're born again, then there's a continual changing There's a continual molding. Ephesians 4 says he sends the ministry for the perfecting of the saints. That means you're not perfect when you're born again. You're perfect as far as sinless goes, but you're not perfect as far as complete or or come to full maturity. He sends them for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Praise the Lord. He's doing it every service. He's doing it this morning. He'll do it on Wednesday. He'll do it next weekend. Every service that we have, he's perfecting you. He's washing you with the water of the word, cleansing you with your own ideas and the world's ideas. Praise be to God. 2 Corinthians 3 says, We all with open face, as in a glass, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, 
even as by the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8. <coughs> Excuse me. Romans chapter 8 and verse 20 says, The creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature, that's us, were born in sin. Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Hallelujah. That's for you. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. What are they looking for? Waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. Amen. So Brother Brown says, invisible unity, he says, you were a sinner to begin with. That's right. You was deceived into it. It ain't your fault. You never did it because that little germ that was in you was to be you before the foundation of the world. God put your name in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. You were born of a, of a corruptible nature, but there was a seed gene in you. And that's why you could be quickened. That's why you could believe the word. That's why you could receive what God has done in this day. All right. So let's go back to our opening scripture. How are we doing for time? Oh, we're doing all right. You still with me? Amen. Luke chapter 18. And Jesus shared with the... He called the 12... Of them around them, explained in pretty stark detail what was going to happen to them. He says, listen, we're going to go up to Jerusalem and all the things that were written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. And he'll be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death and the third day he shall rise again. Seems pretty plain to me. But they didn't catch it. He spelled it out right in front of them, but they didn't catch it. He laid it out. Let me say it this way. He laid out the message of the hour. They were called to receive it, but they had not yet quite caught it. It was not yet the season, but he laid it out for them. All right? Is that right? Now, when we, when we just look at this scripture, it says, they understood none of these things, and the saying was hid from them, and neither knew they the things which were spoken. That's a, tri- that's a triple emphasis of the same thing. Number one, they understood none of it. Number two, it was hidden from them. And number three, neither knew they the things that were spoken. My goodness. In other words, they were blinded in every way possible. It was just totally hidden from them. The reality of God's new covenant that he had expressed through Jeremiah that would come to pass, was standing right before them. The Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world that John the Baptist had announced was standing right in front of them. 
The day of atonement for one, the one sacrifice that would take away all sin lay just ahead of them. The very fulfillment, the, the capstone event of history, the great redemptive work of God that he was going to accomplish to redeem sons and daughters of God and bring us back into the position that we were predestinated to in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. We weren't meant to be born in sin. We weren't meant to be subject to vanity. We weren't meant to be in this weakness. We weren't meant to live these struggling lives. We were meant to have what Adam had. We were meant to have what Eve had. We were meant to have perfect love. We were meant to have perfect faith. We were meant to have perfect health. Amen, Brother Milko. We were meant to have perfect health. That's God's purpose for his children. But we, because of the fall in the Garden of Eden, there was something that we could never attain in the Garden of Eden that we had to attain coming out of a fallen estate. And that something was character. Because character is not a gift. Character is a victory. And so there had to be the, the, the sons and daughters of God to gain character had to come through a process. I say, amen, Lord, put me through the process. Let the full measure of the process be upon my life. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what the devil has, has up his sleeve because God, he can only do what God allows him to do anyway. And it doesn't matter if I don't understand it. Job didn't understand it until one day as, he, as he's sitting there, the revelation finally struck him. And Brother Branham says, as long as he thought God was doing it to him, he was defeated. But then when he realized it was the devil that was doing it to him, then he could lift his eyes up to God and God could send down the revelation and Job could stand and say, this is for a purpose. I needed a revelation of a resurrection. Hallelujah. Catch it, saints. Job didn't have a revelation of a resurrection. He was, he was asking the questions. He was saying, if, if, a, if a plant falls into the ground and dies, it comes up. If a tree dies, it comes back in the springtime. You know, all of botany life, it comes back. But when a man dies, what happens to him? You know, it's, we're going way back to the beginning of civilization here. And we're saying, you know, Job was sitting there wondering about the things that are important. He wasn't wondering about his paycheck. He wasn't wondering about his education. He wasn't wondering about, you know, the economic times. He wasn't wondering about the war over in Israel. He wasn't wondering about, you know, this nation and that nation and these political problems and those political problems. No, Job was, his question on his mind was, what happens to man? That's, listen folks, this is the key question. Hear me this morning. Don't get caught up in, in what Laodicea is trying to shove down your throat. Catch what God's trying to reveal to you. Job was sitting there. He didn't see it. He didn't see it. But finally, it struck him. And he could stand on the ash heap and say, Though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I'll see God. Hallelujah. He had a revelation that the gates of hell could not prevail against. God had dropped into him through a great trial. And, and through that great trial, had, was able to open his eyes. 
and cause him to see the reality of the resurrection. And that Job, there was a resurrection, and you're a part of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So these disciples there, it was hidden from them. They didn't understand what was going on around them. They didn't understand it, first of all. The word understand means to be able to mentally comprehend. And really, in the way it's used in the Scripture, it says it means they kept on not perceiving. They just kept not perceiving. They just, no matter what, they just did not perceive. You know, as, as Brother Murphy preached on Wednesday night, you know, it's not the natural voice. It's the voice that comes from another dimension. Like Jesus saying to Simon, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonas, Matthew chapter 16, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. Amen. So they, there has to be something to, to quicken the understanding. Now, the next thing it says it was hidden from them it means to conceal or, or to hide by covering or keep secret. And so it wasn't even necessarily their fault. But Jesus could say right out to them, and they couldn't see it. How many times have you spoken to someone the truth that's been revealed in our day, and they just can't see it? I remember from a, a young man when I was 22, 23 years old, when I received this message and sharing it with different ones, and I, it was the greatest thing. My eyes had come open, and, and, and just wanting to witness to everybody and share it with everybody, and before you... You know what? You begin to realize not everybody can see what I see. It's, it's an amazing thing. And then it goes on to say, neither knew, neither, neither knew they the things which were spoken. And that word means to be aware of, to be resolved, and to be sure. So it's not just understanding now, but it's taking ownership of them. And they, so the fact that it was hidden from them means they couldn't take ownership of it. And they couldn't make it as part of their lives. I hope that we realize this morning, and I realize I'm going slow and making you think about these things, but I hope we realize this morning that if God didn't open your eyes, there's nothing you can do about it. Esau so badly sought a place of repentance with tears and could not find it. He desperately wanted to find a place to get back to what was rightfully his as the firstborn. But he couldn't find it. It was gone from him. It was hidden from him. He could not. But as Jesus said, blessed are your eyes for they see. If it has been revealed to you that this is the message of, of the hour, you ought to just rejoice in God this morning. You ought to just be so thrilled and say, Lord, thank you for opening my eyes that I can see. Thank you for opening my understanding that I could catch these things that you have revealed in these last days. The reality that was hidden from them at that point and that that now is revealed unto the sons of God. And now we could say, we could look at them 
and bear with me as I go through this in a little bit of detail, we could look at them and say, well, you know, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. Maybe that's what it was. You know, they just get the Holy Ghost and, and, and that'll solve all your problems. I would beg to differ in that it's just getting the Holy Ghost is only the beginning of it. You don't understand all things when you get the Holy Ghost. It's a continual and a progressive revelation as a believer. You know, we find even the disciples in the book of Acts, we won't read it, but in Acts chapter 10, we find that, that Peter, you know, he was there at the house of uh, uh, Simon the Tanner, I think it was, and, uh, and as he was there, because Dorcas has been raised from the dead, and uh, now he's just at the house, God visits him, he, and, the, and the Bible says he began to be hungry. And so he was on the rooftop as he began to be hungry and says, you know, I wouldn't mind eating. And they begin to prepare some food for him. And uh, as he's there on the rooftop, the Bible says he falls into a trance. And he sees a sheet being lowered from heaven. And, and uh, uh, it added, uh, there were all manner of beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord, I've never touched any unclean thing, anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spoke back to him and says, what God has cleansed, that call not thou common. And then it was done three times. And then it was received up into heaven. Now the Bible records, now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen would mean. He just saw a vision, all kinds of unclean animals. The Lord says, rise, slay, and eat. And he says, I've never touched any unclean thing. It happens three times. God says, what I call clean, don't you call unclean. And Peter's going, what on earth was that all about? You ever had an experience like that in your life? We've all had experiences like that. And you, you go through different things and you, you wonder, why did that happen to me? Why did that take place? And so there Peter's in the house, and while he's thinking on these things, there was men that were sent from the house of Cornelius, who had also seen a vision. And an angel had told him, now you send someone over to the house over here, you'll look for one Simon surnamed Peter, and you'll ask for him to come and preach to you the word of God, because your alms and your good living are, are held in remembrance before God. So Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion now, he had a lot of questions. He had a lot of desires in life. He did not have the Holy Ghost, but he desired more of God. And whenever someone desires more of God, they will get an answer from God. You will get an answer. And then it's up to you whether you're going to receive it or not. So Cornelius sends men over to the house, and, and Peter comes down and says, you know, here's these, and they say, here are these men that have come from a uh, house of a Roman centurion, and they want you to go with him, and he, he goes with them to the house, and you know the story, and he goes into the house, and Cornelius shares with him the, the vision of the angel that he had, and now Peter's moved of God. Now he begins to see why God had to show him that vision, why God had to change his thinking. Hello? Why God had to change his thinking and get him to think differently. I'll never touch those people. Those are unclean people. 
I never deal with them. I never will have nothing to do with them because, you know, I know what the word says, but the, the law was changing to grace or had changed to grace. The lion anointing that was upon them was different than before Calvary. The Holy Spirit had come in the upper room. Everything had changed. The apostles were now establishing the gospel and, and the reality of Christ in the church and the seven candlesticks and all of that. Now God is making these things a reality. And he comes to Peter. He says, Peter, now it's your turn. I'm going to change your thinking. Hallelujah. And Peter says, I see God's in this. And he begins to preach to them, declare to them Jesus Christ. And while he spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard them. Hallelujah. And they spoke with tongues and glorified God. And there was, there was a great mighty move in that household. What was taking place? God was sending his life into the Gentiles. Is that right? Why? For you. He's sending his life into the Gentiles for you. That you might be quickened in this hour. That you might come to the maturity of the word in this day. That there might be a people in this hour, a bride of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's what happened in the opening of the seals. The church became bride. The revealing of the Son of Man took place. The man anointing became the eagle anointing. The second pole became third pole. All of these things, God began to unfold now that a bride would catch her position in Jesus Christ. And there it was in the book of Acts there. God sent Peter. He didn't know how it was all going to unfold. But as he spake the word, the Holy Ghost quickened them. Hallelujah. Listen, don't wait for me to get excited. I got barely any strength standing up here. I'm not going to dance, but if you feel like dancing, you go ahead. Peter opened his mouth and said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Hallelujah. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. I perceive that it doesn't matter if they're Jew or Gentile. I perceive it doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. I perceive it doesn't matter if they're black or brown, yellow or white. It doesn't make no difference with God. God doesn't respect your color. Listen, we're living in an age where the devil tries to divide people based on the color of their skin. But God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't care what color your skin is. He cares what color your soul is. And it better be red, covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Outside of that, when it comes to judgment, he's also no respecter of persons. When you turn down the word of God, you say, well, I didn't have a chance, or I, I had this excuse, or I had that excuse. There is a parable of the marriage supper. It says, one says, I've married me a wife. Another one says, I've bought me a piece of land. Another, says, another one says, I, I got me was a yoke of oxen or something like that. And they all, had, with one accord, began to make excuse of why they weren't at the marriage supper. 
And the master said, go out into the highways, go out into the byways, go out into the hedges, go out into the ditches and compel them to come in. For I say that those that were first bidden will not partake of this marriage supper. Hallelujah. Those to whom this message first went to. This is the marriage call. This is a call. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Those to whom it first went to. The Pentecostals. The denominationals. They will not be allowed to enter in. But there will be a people that will come from rough circumstances. Hallelujah. There will be a people with scars. There will be a people with a, with a history. There will be a people that have had a rough life, but they will be bidden to come in. Hallelujah. They will sit with him at the marriage supper. They will be called the bride of Jesus Christ. I say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm one of them. They may be despised. They may be rejected, but I'm one of them. They may be a people that don't have much in this world, but they have everything in eternity. Amen. Let me take one last scripture. These are all scriptures that we are familiar with. In Luke chapter 24, we're familiar with the road to Emmaus. And uh, they all begin to walk down the road. You don't need to turn to it. I'll just describe it to you. You can look at it if you want to, though, in Luke 24. It says in verse 15, as it came to pass, they communed together and reasoned. Jesus himself drew near. All right? So now, again, what's happening? They're not seeing what's really happening. They, they don't understand what's going on around them. And it says, he says, it says their eyes were holden that they should not know him. There they are again. They, Jesus walked right up to them and started talking to them. How many would like Jesus to walk up to you and start talking to you? What would it be if you didn't know it, though? Someone talking to you, and then later on you realize, that was him. That was him. And so there, there in Luke 24, it says, Jesus says to them, what manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? All right, now here's these same disciples that in Luke 18, Jesus had told them exactly what's going to happen. And they didn't, it was held from them. They didn't understand it. And, and neither did they know these things. But now here in Luke 24, it's the same thing. Now they've, they've seen it all happen. And it's happened right around them, and they're sad when they should be happy. And they, Cleopas begins to say, are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? You know the story. He says, don't you know what's taking place these days? And he said to them, what things? As though he didn't know. Here's the one that was scourged. Here's the one that was whipped. Here's the one that went into the tomb. Here's the one that preached to souls in prison. Here's the one that emptied out paradise. Now he's walking back amongst them and knows everything that has happened and they don't have a clue what's going on. And he says, tell me what happened. And so from their perspective, they begin to explain to him, well, let us tell you, this Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. 
and the chief priests and the rulers have delivered him, condemned him to death. We trusted that he would have been the one that redeemed Israel. And today's the third day, and, and now that the tomb is empty, and we don't know how to explain it, and, and uh, all of these things that happened. They saw all of these events, but their perspective was entirely carnal. They could see physical events like everyone else. Now, did you know there's many people in this world, and I have met many, that believe Brother Branham was a prophet and don't believe this message? There's many thousands upon hundreds of thousands that Brother Branham's ministry, and maybe most of them are gone off the scene now, of which was my mother and my grandfather, who was right in Brother Branham's meetings and healed in the prayer line, but never could see the message. Never could see the voice that followed the sign or the voice of the sign. They saw the sign and they recognized a prophet. They recognized a mighty man of God and, and confessed as much, but as far as seeing a message. And so here we find the disciples now as, as they were saying, you know, this Jesus was a mighty prophet, but they didn't understand yet. Their eyes had not yet become open to the voice that was in the sign or the message of the hour. They had not yet realized the reality of what was happening right around them. They, they saw events. They could see physical events like everyone else. And I'm sure everybody had an opinion. If they were able to, I'm sure there would have been a, a website trying to explain away the events of the ministry of Jesus Christ. So, oh, well, he said this and he over here, and he said that over there. And then, you know, he, he said this would happen. He said, tear down the temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. You know, he prophesied these things, and it never happened. The temple's still standing, and all of these things. And, and they had all of their own carnal perceptions and ideas of what was taking place there, and though he had told them that it was going to happen, and they couldn't see, yet they couldn't see the redemptive purpose of God in what they were going through. They were a part of the unfolding of the hour. Lord, help us. We're at the end. This is the end time. We're here. It's over. Listen, young people, it's over. Say, well, Brother Tim, they've been saying that for decades. Well, it's more over than it's ever been. How much time do we have left? I don't know. But it's over. The world is falling apart. The world is in birth pains. Civilization is crumbling. The peak of American civilization, which was the lamb that rose up out of the land of Revelation 13, was 19, 1950s. That was that back then. That was the peak of American civilization. It has declined so much to this day. And it's only going to go down further and down further and down further. It's over. And you are here. 
You are the end time events. Listen to me this morning. The message, the end time events of the message are not out there. You are the end time events. It's God revealing himself in you. It's God making himself known to you personally. That's why I started out with that we often view Israel as a, as a big as a nation you know tied to end time events and we view the prophecies and we view all of these things but all of those end time events that we view is a million stories or millions of stories of individual experiences with God and that's what's happening at this end time now it's millions of stories of individual experiences with God it's millions of members of the bride of Jesus Christ It's you and me and the person sitting next to you. It's each and every one of us as we as we sit, uh, you know, as we sit here this morning. We're not called to miss what is happening. We're called to catch what is being unfolded right around us. Oh Lord, help us this morning. I want to go just to Christ, the mystery of God, revealed before I close here, Brother Branham. In the message, Christ, the mystery of God, revealed. I'm going to wrap this up soon, so just stay with me. You stay with me? All right. He says, God had a purpose and a hidden mystery. That's what I want to speak to the church on this morning. The hidden mystery of God that he had in his mind before the world ever began. Now, when I read that, that has my full attention. Here's a prophet of God saying, I want to speak this morning on the mystery that God had in his mind before the world ever began. Hallelujah. I'm like, Brother Bram, you have my full attention. Amen? He says, and how it's unfolded itself right down to this present hour that we're living in. Then you will understand clearly, then you will understand clearly then on, I believe, what is being done. I say, praise the Lord. That's what I want to do. I want to understand clearly what is being done. He says, God's great mystery. It's a secret. He kept it a secret. Nobody knowed nothing about it. Even the angels didn't understand it. He didn't reveal it. Now notice what he's saying there. Secret. Didn't understand it. Angels didn't understand it. In other words, it's been hidden down through the ages, but it's not hidden anymore. And he says, that's the reason under our seventh mystery, when the seventh seal was opened, there was silence. Amen. All right, so now he's telling us in Christ the mystery God revealed, I'm preaching today on the seventh seal. Is that what he said? He said, that's the reason when the seal, seventh mystery was opened, seventh seal was opened, there was silence. He says, Jesus, when he was on the earth, they wanted to know when he would come. He says, it's not even the Son of Himself don't know when it's going to happen. God has this all to Himself. It's a secret. That's the reason there was silence in heaven for the space of half an hour. Seven thunders uttered their voices, and John was forbidden to write it. Now it's still a secret. And then he says, the coming of the Lord. All right, so he's preaching on the seventh seal. He's preaching on the coming of the Lord. There's a reason I'm saying it this way for you. These are all things you've heard before. 
He says that's the one thing he hasn't revealed of how he will come, when he will come. It's a good thing he doesn't know. He has showed or revealed it in every type that's in the Bible. Therefore, the entire Bible is the revelation of the God's mystery in Christ. He says the entire Bible is an expression of one goal that God had, one purpose he wanted to achieve in the entire Bible. And all the acts of the believers in the Bible that has been in type and expressing what God's great goal is. And now, here we go, and now, and now, in the last day, he has revealed it and shows it. Hallelujah. What an hour to live in. And he says, with God's help, we'll see it right here this morning. How many see it? How many have seen it? How many recognize you're in it? How many recognize you're a part of it? What happened, Brother Tim? I'll tell you what, God turned a page. Or you can say God turned a corner. And he unveiled the mysteries that's been hidden, was hidden from the angels, was hidden from the prophets, was told to John, don't write it. Seven thunders uttered the voices, but now, hallelujah, but now you have the message, but now you have the revealing of Jesus Christ in your day. Oh, we ought to lay aside our own thinking. We ought to lay aside our ambitions. We ought to lay aside our objectives. The greatest thing that's been hidden down through the ages has been revealed. Lord, let it anchor in my soul. Let me see it the way I ought to see it. Open my eyes. Open my understanding. He has revealed it and shows it. And God's help will see it this morning. What the Lord had in his mind all along. Now, what was in his mind all along? The Lamb's book of life. His love, for God is love. That's all that was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. What was it? It was God. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And God is love. And so every thought that he had there was just love. And you were in his thoughts there. And you're a part of the fabric of his love. And in him, and and Brother Jean and I were talking about this the other day, In him was nothing but purity. Purity. There's no no shadow there. There's no uh, half-truth there. There's no portion there. It's the fullness of it. There's no impure thing there. There's no unclean thing there. Are you with me? And you were there. And you're going back there. To where there's no unclean thing. There's no impure thing. There's no halfway thing. There's no partial. Just the reality of the fullness of God made bodily in the bride of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish I had voice to shout it this morning. Oh, he says, Brother Brown says, it's all a purpose God had in his mind. He says, now, he gets to this spot where he says, what God had in his mind all along and has expressed it. Therefore, we can see the great meaning of what it's been to know this and then try and bring it to the people. He says, I haven't went into details and tried to explain it as God has revealed it to me. 
hope these things aren't new to you. He says, and then the very next statement he makes is, now if you want to mark it down, he says, let's go to Luke 24. The apostles on the road to Emmaus. What was happening? Something happened and they didn't see it. Something took place and they couldn't take a hold of it because it was hidden from them. He says, going along the road thinking and talking and weeping on account of his death and how they seen him suffer for what they thought was no value at all. All things work together for good to those who love God who are the called according to his purpose. If you're going through something right now, it has a value. If you're in a battle, there's a, there's a value to that battle. If you've overcome something, there's value to that overcoming. Because, of course, the promise is to the overcomer. He says, they were going along weeping. He stepped out from the roadside, began to talk to them about Christ. And he said, oh, fools, and slow to understand. Don't you know that all the prophets and the Psalms See, what he's doing is identifying himself to these apostles that all the prophets and all the psalms and everything was him expressed. And now, Brother Branham says, he's just about to begin the service. He's just about to begin the preaching. He says, and now, the reason I never took to preach this morning was because I thought that in teaching we would understand it better then just take a text and skip over it. We just teach it. Why? That we could see what has happened in our day. That we could see who we are. I'm coming to a close. I guess the musicians can come. It's important that you see who you are. And the purpose of God in revealing to you who you are. I want to take a little example. The recent trip to Uganda. When you see who you are, you also see who you're not. I met a sister there in Uganda. Was a pastor of a church. Matter of fact, it was a church that I preached in last and she was the pastor of that church. And as far as the world is concerned, she has every right to be a pastor. As far as the world is concerned, she has every right to take that position. And every right to be in, in leadership over that church. But the word came by her way. And she began to see herself in the word. And as she saw herself in the word of God, then she could see that she wasn't a pastor. Amen? If you see who you are, you also see who you're not. And so she could see, well, I, the word of God is plain. I'm not a pastor. 
suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over a man. And so she all of a sudden realized, and so there was a brother in the church who was a, a good brother, and she gave it to that brother to pastor that church, and she sat down and be a part of the church. Why? Because she recognized that that which had been revealed to her was greater than everything she had gained in the world so far. Amen. Hallelujah. The message of the hour that had been revealed to her was of more value than her labors that had gone into building that church. Her labors that had gone into building that source of income. It was more important to her now. She saw that this was the words of eternal life. And as Jesus said to the disciples, he says, would you also go from me? And Peter said, to whom would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. And this, dear sister, and there's been many of them. I've met many sisters over the time that I've been in Uganda as this awakening has swept through that country. Pastor after pastor after pastor after pastor were denominational men and churches and things that told them, oh yeah, it's okay for you to be a pastor. But when the word strikes their heart, hallelujah, when the word strikes their heart, it changes them forever. They can't go back to their old ways anymore. They recognize that they're daughters of God and they recognize their position in the word of God. Hallelujah. When your eyes become open, you realize that there's angels all around you. When your eyes become open, you realize God's protecting you. When your eyes become open, you know that all things work together for good. When your eyes become open, you realize you are the fulfillment of the word in this day. That Christ and the church are uniting to become one. There's a sound of a city. We sang it on Wednesday night. Sound of the city that John saw coming down. There's a sound that we're hearing. But what is the sound of the city that John saw coming down? It's the final voice to the final age is what it is. There's a sound that's coming from another dimension, but it's coming into individuals here. It's the sound of their lives. It's the sound of many waters. It's the sound of lives that are being lived out in this final generation. It's not just the voice You see, that's why it's not just the revealing of the Son of Man. It's also the revealing of the sons of God. It's the revealing of the bride of Jesus Christ. It's her awakening to her position that they without us cannot be made perfect. That the whole purpose that God had down through the ages is now winding up in a people that have caught the fullness of the revelation, that they only had a part in every previous age. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away with. As, as uh, it was said before, when the building is complete, the scaffolding comes down. The bracing comes down. All the supports come down. Amen, Brother Jeff. When you're building a place, you need lots of support. But when the building is finished, the building stands on its own. Hallelujah. 
This bride stands by perfect faith in the word of God. There's a sound that we keep listening for. I'm hearing it grow louder and louder. I hear it growing in in Uganda, a bride that knows who she is. I hear it growing in Ethiopia, a bride that knows who she is. You just heard from Brother Murphy about China and the brothers from China, a bride that knows who she is. As the brothers said, you know, we may not have freedom, but this message is not bound. That really touched me. You know, when they had the reality, listen, they are enduring things that I pray to God we'll never have to endure. And they're going through things that I pray we never have to go through. But it's as real to them as it is to you. Let's stand together. We hear about the wars. See famine in the land. There's questions in the children's eyes. Yes, Lord. sing these are the days of Elijah could we sing that it's become a reality to us I was gonna I was thinking of singing that song it was a great thing that he did for me but you went ahead and sung it already this morning it was a great thing that he did for us he opened our eyes to see he gave us understanding to walk in this age oh you say oh brother Tim I'm battling with the devil yeah just get into Christ listen the devil can never defeat you when you're behind the word just get more into Christ you got struggles get into Christ some more 
You got battles, get into Christ some more. Just get into him. Just let him be all around you. Let him fill your mind. Let him fill your thoughts. There's nothing the devil will be able to do with you. Hallelujah. We've come to the fullness of the deliverance of the sons of God. We've come to the time where God is taking every battle that the devil has held against the church of the living God, and he's defeating him one after the other, after the other, after the other. And as Paul said, then shall be brought to pass the saying, death shall be swallowed up in victory. One victory, another victory, another victory, till finally these bodies are changed. Amen. Till finally they hold us back no more. We're changed from mortal to immortality. The final victory. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're living in this day? Oh, these are the days of Elijah. Ah! Uh-huh. 
There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. Yes. Sing it now. Oh, he's mighty. Yes, Lord. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold me now. Riding on the ground. Oh, shining like the sun. Oh, at the trumpet call. So let go. It's here I do a great thing that he did for me. It was a great thing that set me free. Jesus died on Calvary so
be his name. Glory to his name. When we get on the other side, and we'll sing that with Job. You know, as he talks about his ash heap and say, it was a great thing that he did for me. Yes, Brother Joe, we'll sing it with you. It was a great thing that he did for me. When Peter says it was a great thing, I went back fishing, but he came and got me. And he said, no, Peter, you're not a fisherman. You're a fisher of men. Amen. You're the one that's got the keys to the kingdom. You're going to unlock it to the Samaritans. You're going to unlock it to the Gentiles. Amen that we can have it. Oh, Peter says it was a great thing. We'll sing it with Peter on that day. Oh, it was a great thing that he did for me. This, this Laodicean, or coming out of Laodicea, a bride that's come into a bride age. Not another church age, but a bride age. We've come into a higher revelation, a higher relationship, a greater understanding, a quickening of who we really are, a deliverance from all the things of the world. Oh, it's a great thing that he did for us. Hallelujah. You can tell I'm ready to dance or something. I don't know. If I knew how to dance, maybe I would. I don't know. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Oh, it was a great thing. We are heirs of the Father. Jesus Christ. Amen. We are heirs together. Brother Mike Gagne, would you come dismiss us in a word of prayer this morning? Amen. Let's bow our hearts. Our wonderful, precious, heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful that we can call you our Father. 
We are thankful, Lord, for the revelation of Jesus Christ and the mystery that was revealed in this day. Lord God, that we are one with you. As your prophet said, she is him. We are one in the spirit. We're one in you, Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for that revelation, Lord God, that we do not walk alone, Lord. As you're walking with us, you're walking before us, Lord, that we, you could lead the way unto full truth and full deliverance, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Heavenly Father, God, for that revelation that you put in our hearts, Lord, that we cannot be defeated. We are your victory, Lord God, as your prophet said. And Father, we invite you, Lord, into a greater place in our lives, O oh God, because, Father, we can be in this flesh. We can be tested and tried. But, Lord, to be your victory, we have to allow more of you, Lord, more of you inside of us, more of the word, Lord, to come forth from our lives, Lord, that that Logos, that is the word that you step down, Lord, into this time and this space, Lord, to reveal yourself to us, Lord, that, that we were one with you before that foundation of the world, we were in that Logos. We were part of that word. That word is now in us, Lord, bringing us to great victory. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the precious word, life in this day. Father, we ask you, Lord, to strengthen us in your service, Lord God. Bless all your ministers, Lord, as they would finish up on the road and come home, Father. We so thank you for the light for the word, for your ministers, Lord, that go forth, Lord, to, Lord, just to be able to bring us to that understanding that we could have revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus, that great mystery. We thank you, Lord. We pray your strength in the man of God today. Father, we know what it is to be tired and sore and weak in body. But Lord, you have done great things for our brother this morning, Lord. You've refreshed us in spirit, and we pray you refresh him in body. Give him strength, Father. Go with us now, Lord, and may we rejoice in all that you've done for us. And we thank you in your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. The service is dismissed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you have a great week in the Lord this week. Was the announcement made about the young people's service? It was. All right. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.